0: Hey guys, and welcome back to the After Action Report. It is our second week doing this as we reflect on the sermon and try to find some different ways that we can either take the text a different direction, ask some questions about some specific applications, or just kind of evaluate the direction of where we're trying to head, especially with some of these more topical type sermons uh, as we are in the distinctives right now. So the distinctives uh, is definitely something we have been excited about and pushing towards. Uh, they're not new, uh, as you heard from Pastor Matt, but they are things that we're trying to drive in deeper on or just hold out a little bit more on our sleeve, uh, be a little more upfront with some of these things. It It's going to help with unity. It's going to help with clarity, all of these things. So I'm appreciative of where you took the distinctives yesterday. I was reflecting during the sermon about how different it would be if I were to preach this. Um, I, I do come more from that teaching background than the preaching component. For me, I'm thinking about historical, biblical Christianity, or really the way that I did back at Elder Meeting. <laughs> we stand on the shoulders of, of all these people, the, the Church of the Ages, yeah. the councils, You know, just these historic, robust things that are, in some ways, lacking today. I'm gonna want to take you through First Corinthians 10, which we'll talk about in a minute. The Hall of Faith that you heard Pastor Jeff talk about. So I'm really encouraged, by the way, that you took uh, the distinctives to help preach them, to proclaim them. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are it's different than just recognizing those those convictions that we hold. So. One of the things I wanted to talk about with the distinctives is clarify a little bit more about why we're setting up a distinction. So on one hand, you even say, we want to be grandma's church. We want to be like those. But on the other hand, this is what makes us different. So we're (laughs) we're holding both of these things at the same time. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about the distinctions, especially like the question... Hey, all these other churches, all these churches in our area in evangelicalism, we're on the same team, aren't we? We we're holding forth the the name of Jesus. These type things. Can we be on the same team and still name distinctions, convictions, those things?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the problems in our in our current uh, culture, church culture, um, as well, is that. Um, if you don't agree with everything, you've uh, you've got to be against us. So I think our natural proclivity is when we say we're unlike this church down the road. We translate that, or, or let me back up. When we say we're unlike Church A two miles down the road in this way, the way that gets translated is we don't like. Church A that's two miles down the road, yeah. and they're all going to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what we hear, because we're in this, like, just tribalistic identity crisis, and so the idea that we would even say that is kind of like, a, oh, how dare you? Oh, no. Sure, yeah. So I think we have to understand that that's kind of the cultural influence on our, on our minds as we think about things uh, like this. Um, then second, as we think about um, distinctives, and it, there's there's going to be clear distinctions between us and a supposed church down the road that doesn't preach the gospel, um, uh, gospel, uh, you know, soteriology, you know, what we believe concerning salvation, and so on and so forth, and, and other core doctrines uh, to that level, but there's also going to be distinctions beyond that that... um that would separate us from even quote gospel believing churches and certain at some point on that kind of it's kind of a continuum mm-hmm. there's the point where you're not a church but then kind of okay this side of you're not a church as well you're a church but but I don't know that we can do much ministry with you yeah and then as you move further away or further to the other side of that continuum It's okay. Well, we can more closely work together because we are more in agreement uh, on other core doctrinal matters. Mm -hmm. Um, We've kind of just we're kind of in this product of this era of kind of relegating everything to just well, do you believe the gospel? And if you believe the gospel, then
0: well, we can all just be friends. And I just that just doesn't work. Yeah, I know that uh, the cultural maximalism is coming in a couple weeks here, yeah, but even yeah. inside of that, it, it starts with this idea of theological maximalism, Yeah. and we've been really struggling with that minimalism that does come from the gospel-centered movement. It is certainly helpful, uh, especially if you grew up in the church, recognizing that that solved a real problem, yeah, but yeah. It, it, it overcorrected the pendulum, swung too far to where now it is either gospel church good, non-gospel church bad. It's, it's an either-or where we should have that spectrum that you're talking about. We get that from Dr. Allison talking about there's a line where you're no longer a church, but then you're less pure church all the way to more pure church. You now We, and I think all churches, want to be the more pure church, right, as we constantly correct and, and keep those things in mind. And that's not just something that we desire. That's a very explicit warning for us. In 1 Corinthians 10, we see some of the beginnings of the Bible's treatment on what it means to stand on the shoulders of the saints of old and, and church and looking back to Israel. It says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Uh, Paul's already been using the word all, saying all you Corinthians were baptized. You should mm-hmm. all be the same people. But then we're, we're, we're slammed in the face in verse 5 with this, nevertheless. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And then he goes on to talk about the idea that we are to look back with them, at them and, and see them as examples, to, to be mindful of that. And so if all <laughs> were baptized into Moses, drank, ate, same spiritual drink from the rock that was Christ, yet with most of them God was not pleased, that sets a high standard for us as a church. Right as, as a Israel under Moses, as a church under Christ, to make sure that we're about a faith that's an action that is doing the things that are going to be pleasing to him to be a more yeah. pure church. And so in order to do that, we have to say, where are we not doing that? Mm-hmm. Where is the culture not doing that? How, at this moment in time, do we put faith in action? And that's that's these distinctives for us.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like right now, uh, in probably the past 10, 15 years, it's it's, well, you're an acceptable church. Like, you're not going to fit into this verse 15, with most of them God was not pleased and they were overthrown in the wilderness. You won't be in that category so long as you declare Jesus is the way to heaven and you make sure every sermon kind of brings everybody back to kind of happy thoughts about Jesus. Mm -hmm. As long as you do that, then... Then you're standing on the rock, but the rock's bigger than just that, and that's that's I think it's kind of the point where where we're driving to here, is that you can confess all the same core things, uh, and all these same core right things about who Christ is, um, but not be about an actual life of faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so for us to have a faith in action, to to be about the things that we should be, it comes from that first word, that that faith. This historical biblical Christianity that we have is a life of faith. It, it is known as the faith. I mean, that's that's where it all starts. And so, in my mind, in my personal topical you know concordance in my brain, when I think about historical biblical Christianity, I'm doing First Corinthians ten, and then I'm immediately going to Hebrews eleven. Uh, But Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, as we look back to those people and see their faith and how it played out, uh, is preceded, as you would expect, by Hebrews chapter 10, uh, which has a setup for it with one of my favorite words, right? Therefore. So in light of what he's been describing in chapter 10, we land to this picture of what um, faith is going to look like before he gives us all those examples from chapter 11. It says therefore in, in verse 35, chapter 10, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So already we're seeing that f- the faith and confidence and hope, has natural steps to take for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, when you've done it, mm-hmm. and we heard some of that, even from your Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 piece. So then verse 37, yet a little while and the coming one will come and he won't delay verse 38, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. That's, that's a terrifying thing. Yeah. That is an echo of first Corinthians 10, five, not pleased. Right. Verse 39, Mm -hmm. but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Boom. Chapter 11. Now this is what faith looks like. It's the assurance of things hoped for, convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. And by faith, we understand that the universe is created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. So we see faith defined, and then we immediately launch into, well, we're these people. These are our ancestors. These are the people who we stand uh, behind when it comes to what it should look like. And so the idea of faith is, is not something that... It, it's like that early gospel thing that we hear Keller talking about. Like we don't move on from the gospel. Yeah, yeah, Faith is the everyday. This is what we deal with. And and I found this quote from Calvin in relation to this in, in Hebrews 11. It says, faith needs to be bound directly to the word of God. For according to Paul, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans ten seventeen, And this is a useful warning that we may not dignify every opinion picked up one way or another with the title of faith. In other words, we can't just pick anything that we want and say, well, I believe it, I have faith in it, and so therefore it must be true. Our faith has to be bound, according to Paul, directly to the Word of God. And so if we're going to have this historical biblical Christianity that is rooted in faith and is the faith described, it must be tied to the Word of God.
1: Yeah, what, what would be like an example that you'd think of when it's a uh, dignify every opinion picked up one way or another, with the title of faith, give us like another that maybe we can like work through, or we can talk about as an example of that. Because because this is going to be an example of someone who, back to First Corinthians ten, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. So, what is it that He's not pleased with? Or in uh, Hebrews ten, verse thirty nine, but uh, thirty eight. But my righteous one, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But, but we are not those who shrink back. So, like, what's an example of someone who's picked up fa- uh, an opinion somewhere along the way with the title of faith?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Because in Hebrews 11, you see that these people that he names ultimately end up keeping appealing back to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're appealing to God and His Word and His character and who He's revealed Himself to be. And so that's why they make the list. He's pleased with them. That's That's the faith in action. For our time, I, I think there's probably two that I would explore. One is uh, a little closer to home and one is pretty general, but the generalness of the other one is what we see all the time. The The general one is just postmodernism. It's the life that we live in the culture that we live right now. Everywhere everyone is saying, whatever's your truth, you believe that, then it's, it's good. It's yours. I don't have to agree, but hey, as long as you have faith, well, now we're dignifying people's... Opinions, thoughts, yeah. expressions, yeah. feelings, and just because they picked it up and said, "Well, this is what I believe."
1: Well, and practically, it, it don't just think like extreme. Don't think, okay, well, they they believe in murdering babies, like, and that's their truth, and and they can believe that. Think think more in terms of, uh, well, that's a church. They claim to believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. Well, that's faith and then dignify everything they believe. Mm-hmm. Well, they might have lots of things wrong beyond that. Yeah. So that postmodernism, your belief is your belief, and this is my belief, and, you know, and, and you know, again, if we, if we say something negative, then that must mean we hate them mm-hmm. uh, or we reject all of them. When we're saying, no, 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 like, this is good, this is good, but these are the bones, and we're going to throw those out. Yeah. And we want to make sure as a church that we're throwing the right bones out so we're not saying all of gospel centeredness for example is is wrong uh, we're just saying there's some bones that yeah. need to be thrown out and and such so
0: yeah because another way you see that in the everyday even not in the extremes is a a misplaced rationalism i think i would i would define it and that people will do things just because they make sense Right? We, we talk about in counseling, people never do things that don't make sense to them. Oh, uh, yeah. or they wouldn't do it. But to then say that this thing that made sense to me in this moment at this time must be objectively true because it made sense is not a true faith. That is not a true reality. Your means don't justify your ends, right? Yeah. To the, to the degree that, hey, I'm going to do this thing because it makes sense now. Only to me. And only in this moment, with no regard to anything that we talked about in Proverbs of the long game, uh, the will of God, what the word has to say about it, Mm -hmm. just because this makes sense right now in this moment does not make it objectively true for the ages. That's why we push a historical (laughs) biblical Christianity, right? Yeah. Yeah. What has God said over time through progressive revelation for his people and his covenants? So the other one that's a little more close to home is uh, is going to be this is a gospel-centered thing again, right? If we only have faith in a gospel-centeredness to the neglect of the robust view, not of theology, but of theology proper, of God who he has revealed himself to be, right? The whole gospel, as it were. Then what we find is that we can reduce it so far to that one small thing that all we actually end up with is faith in moralistic therapeutic theism which has been the issue for the church for the past 20 years at least if i just have faith in the gospel that he is going to make everything better and that's that's what it means to the god to be gospel centered that i'm a sinner i'm saved by grace by the work of Jesus Christ, all true, affirm that, it's in our creeds. Yeah, absolutely. But that's the end of it, and so now when I hear preaching, when I read my Bible, as long as it makes me feel better, then what do I have? Moralistic, therapeutic theism. A God who's not really involved, that wants me to do what's right, makes me feel better about myself and who he is. That's not the gospel. That's not a life that's glorifying to God.
1: Yeah, you know in 2 Timothy 3, I think it's verse 14, when when Paul is talking about uh his grand uh, Timothy's grandmother and mother and what they've taught him that has that has uh brought about salvation in his life. He says Paul says the sacred writings. Mhm. Um he doesn't. I mean, at this point, right? How much of the New Testament has been written? I mean, how much of the Gospels yeah. would Timothy have have read at this point? Mm-hmm. I mean, little, very little. I mean, this letter from Paul—you can count that. Yeah. Uh, but how much of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has he has he read? So, what's Paul referring to? I mean, he he's referring to the Old Testament.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he's referring the sacred writings. I mean, Paul's a Jew. So he's saying and he says in there literally that, that the sacred writings were uh, sufficient to make him wise unto salvation. So this this idea of of just just give me the gospel meaning, soteriology or meaning, the components necessary for saving faith, and that's all I need. Well that's that's not what worked in Timothy's life. Nope. Yeah. That that's not that was not the whole picture. That was not that's not the robust picture that.
0: Well, to your point on Sunday, that's not even the the whole of the Great Commission.
1: Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yep, Jesus does not say go give them the the basic components of salvation. i mean, certainly certainly a starting place. Certainly, we would affirm that it's a great starting place. Um but but the stream should be a much wider than that for us to swim in. Yes. Um and that's what Timothy gets to swim in. Mm-hmm. And then and then Paul, Paul goes on with Timothy and doesn't say, uh, Timothy, to be a faithful preacher, go preach the basic components of the gospel. Certainly, that that's a key factor. But but to go preach the word. Yep. To go teach all of it, the sacred writings, and and then of course the the New Testament, yeah. as he goes.
0: Now, we've been talking about in our Sunday night class. Uh, The Holy Spirit lately. And the Holy Spirit's job is to turn us into little Christs. It's to sanctify us into the image of Christ. And it's going to take all of the sacred writings for that, right? Yeah. That's Him coming and telling us more of what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said the Spirit was going to do. Yeah. And that's the same thing that we see with this issue of reformed that you bring up as one of our distinctives is that we have a lot of sister churches that would. Define themselves as reformed, and many of them are, and are faithful in this. But again, as we're trying to push more into that more pure category, particularly as pastors who have to present people <laughs> to the Lord and give an account for how yeah, we have yeah. raised them, we want to give them more than the than the gun that's fired at the start of the race, right? <laughs> we want to get you wide a wide stream and all the way downstream, and to in the this
1: full stature of the maturity of
0: Christ, growing mean, into Ephesians. the full picture. Yep. yep. So in the reformed we find that this kind of plays out in this, you know, theological sense of well, we're reformed, but again, they mean that explicitly in their soteriology. How are they say that essentially they're going, "Oh, election, yeah, I agree with that. I've read Romans yeah. 9. I know that's a thing that I can't dodge anymore." So we're reformed, but they neglect then a full and robust theology into ecclesiology. How does it play into the church? What does what does the doctrines of grace mean for the church? What does it mean for our doctrine of man, our anthropology? What about worship and counseling? I can tell you that when I counsel, if I have, as you mentioned on on Sunday, uh, total depravity in mind and perseverance of the saints, and the same you know, hand, that changes the way that I approach the problem. That changes the way that we deal with sin. Mm-hmm. But if I neglect those, well, then I'm in the stream, but I'm I'm short a few paddles, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> How do I get where I'm going in this in this stream?
1: Well, and that's where you get, even in counseling, pastors instead of, even in Reformed churches sometimes, instead of wanting to, uh, instead of holding total depravity and, Uh, irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints in their hands. And so with that, they can say, this person is incapable from the grace of God, apart from the grace of God, to overcome this sin. But on the other hand, God's grace is irresistible. His saving grace, meaning the initial saving and the, the work of saving, the ongoing saving work of God, if I can hold both of those, then I see their their helplessness, but I see hope. And I can give them, I don't have to I don't have to downplay the 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 actual problem. Uh, and I don't have to go looking anywhere else for hope. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have that, if I'm not actually reformed and actually believe that, then I'm going to start looking to other things yeah to help that person i'm going to start looking to helping them understand their personality mm-hmm. and helping the people around them understand their personality or i'm going to turn to uh you know m- maybe you should put your head in the pillow and count to 10 uh instead of hitting the wall you know <laughs> like again i'm not saying all that is 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 terrible uh and there might be a place to to talk about those things but but it really begins to show where my hope is at. Absolutely. Is my hope in the sufficient Word of God to make His people, uh, with His grace, into little Christs? hmm Or do I believe I need all these other things? I mean, it's either sufficient or it's not. Yep. It's either profitable for, for teaching and reproof, or it's not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things get really sticky when they happen to be very closely tied to our identity, and we've picked them up with the title of faith. And now I have to say, hey, that thing that you picked up with the title of faith that you believe about that's so closely tied to who you are, um, not actually tied to the Word of God, not actually something that, as Calvin is saying, um, comes from real faith. It, yeah, that, that's a tough place.
1: Well, then it's kind of like taking an axe to the tree an and axe chopping to the tree. down the tree.
0: Or that quote from John Bunyan, man, that was that was hot stuff. Religion that is pure is a hot thing, and it usually burns the fingers of those that fight against it. This is, this is what we heard from Proverbs. This is what we heard from Colossians. This is what we heard from Joshua. The Lord is against those who are proud. You're yeah. going to fight against this kind of religion. It is a pure and hot thing. It burns hot. And that's the kind of church that we want. That's the point of being a more pure church, a church with distinctives.
1: Yeah, we, we want to be a church that—see, uh, a church that's more pure will be more potent.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: And, and not not potent so that we stand out or potent so that brings attention to us or any of those things, but but potent in its display of the glory of God.
0: That sounds like our vision.
1: Ha, there we go, right? <laughs> yes, we, we actually believe that vision. That we exist for the glory of God, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. So as we as we think about, again, gospel-centered, we're not against being gospel-centered. If by gospel-centered, we mean all of Christ for all of life. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, gos- that, that Jesus speaks, all of his being speaks to all of our existence. Yep. And that at the core of that, the answer... Is not uh, that we just be better people? The answer is not legalism and self righteousness. Yep. But the answer is Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. And so, in our gospel-centeredness, at the center of it is redemption by grace alone, uh, by grace alone through faith alone, Uh, in the the beautiful and marvelous work. Of Christ. But if we say we are a gospel-centered church, uh, and by that just meaning, believing those tenets, then that's, I don't think that's saying enough. Uh, but, I, but I think the better, the term historical biblical Christianity, is a better way to describe our church. This is the stream that we swim in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with, any, with any movement in a culture, the larger it gets, the more uh, polluted or diluted it gets. And so even in the Reformed word, as that has gotten bigger in our culture, it's gotten more polluted or diluted. Um, and so it's important for us to say, well, this is what we mean by that. And so as we think about gospel- centered, yes, absolutely, we affirm that both He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that the gospel, as you quoted Keller earlier, that the gospel is not just for the moment we were saved, but is for every day of God's saving faith, saving grace in our lives. Um, but we want to know all of Christ. Mm-hmm. And all of his word shows us all of the Christ that we need to know at this point in history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My favorite thing about yesterday was the the way you ended a lot of times when we preach, we kind of give our our case from this from the text, uh, explain it a little bit, and then try to apply it. That's a pretty common direction. Uh, depending on the text, you can apply as you go, but generally, it's like, all right, application at the end. This is where the rubber meets the road, and you say, so what do we do with all this? And your your point was just repent and believe, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. And, and so I wrote in my notes, I'm like, what do we do? This is the life of faith. This is just what it looks like. It's not that you have to know all of these terms and and find ways to apply it specifically. What we had heard described yesterday is the life of faith. This is just, this is it. This is what it means to be a Christian. And so we don't have to try to work all of these things into our life. We have faith from the Word of God, and this is what we do day in and day out. This is why that religion is a hot and pure thing, because it's what we are all the time. And when we resist it, that's when we find ourselves being burnt. So with that, I want to thank you for joining us again this week, guys, as we kind of dive a little bit more into the sermon and the text. And uh, I want to let you all know we love you. We're praying for you. I want to encourage you to go, know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord over all. See you next week.
1: See you guys.